can't believe that you haven't seen it. Love it so much you really gotta stream it. Let me tell you every line right now. I can quote the whole thing since I was 12. Maybe your mom told you no. She said she wouldn't give you any money to go. And that's why movies we missed. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I'm your host, Brandon Greenhouse, joined by my lovely co-host, Jane Nikki Hammer. And before we get into the episode this week, I do want to let you know that if you're curious about what's going on here between episodes, be curious no more. Just head on over to our socials. You can find us at Movies We Missed on Instagram, on Facebook. And uh, if you got yourself a needle, then you can weave it through over on threads because we're there too. Jane, how are you doing today? I'm good. I it's, it was interesting to hear you be unsure of what podcast you were on. Um, I have a couple. I have a couple. Oh, of pod okay. Properties. So sometimes I get a little bit confused because my assistant just sort of like puts me in front of a computer mm. that's been set up for me, and right, I just your, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you you're ready to go, prepared for whatever the, <laughs> the I have environment this one. brings. I have all the King's Men about all of the gay lore around various kings and sultans and emperors throughout the years about their sexual, like male concubines and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm always about disrupting history. Yeah. Um, You know? And so I have that going on. I obviously have the stuff going on to do with my car podcast. Right. um, What is your car? What is your um, car podcast called again? God, I don't want to get into that right here. It's called Cars and Bars. It's called Cars Cars and Bars. Oh, interesting. Because it's about cars, but it's also about rap. And it's the bars part is because um, Hit My Rides exhibit hosts it with me. And Mm. we do a lot of commentary on cars, but we also do bores on the show. So we do like raps and stuff in between to talk about cars. Do you guys have like a theme song or a a, a rap theme song that you guys do? Yeah. I'd love to hear so just like, like a little bit. You, if you want to go for, uh, if you want to go for a drive, these raps and these cars are going to save your lives. We're talking about it all from the doors to the wheels. We get going with the raps and we get going with the thrills. You may think that it's just a show that's all about automobiles. Ooh. But do I look like James Avery? I'm not Uncle Phil. You know <gasps> the deal. We'll hit you with the hill. We'll take you on the ride. We'll feed you a meal of words and cores and oil and bores. It's cores and it's bores. And we're dealing with the stars with exhibit and Brandon. Bars! Our boy has got them. That was incredible. I will. I mean, I guess um, it's a great place to plug, you know, check it out wherever you get your podcast. It's called Cars and Bars featuring bars is bars is with a Z. Of course, I could only imagine. So it sounds like it's you exhibit and you sometimes have guest stars on as well. We sometimes do. Natasha Bedingfield is the producer. So sometimes she'll come in and she's working on something. Then she'll like just play like a little bit of, you know, she's working on Pocket Full of Sunshine right part two right now. So. Oh, cool. 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 I've been waiting Mm -hmm. for the follow up for that just because it's, you know, I think it's been since like 2008 or something like that since we since that dropped. So it seems like a perfect time to do part two. (laughs) Yeah, that's what she thought. She's gotten in the studio again. She wanted to make sure that part one really had time to marinate. (laughs) 
Absolutely, absolutely. But she it's Starshine this time. Oh, okay. Um, I wonder, you know, I've been wondering about this. It's crater full of starshine instead of pocket full of sunshine. So she's building Great. off of it. It's she wants to create a whole like Ooh, it's gonna be like, like darker. Multi-verse. It is. It sounds like it. From okay. what I heard, she just started. She just okay. started. She so was in the studio with, in with Lil Wayne. She was oh, in the studio wow. with Lil Wayne and Fifi Dobson like last oh. week. And so I'm so glad to hear that. That's fantastic. I love that Fifi's getting back in it. I love that Natasha's returning to her roots. I love that you're privy to all of this and hopefully helping with the process. Of course, you're nodding furiously. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love being a part of it. I love being in the room with people that are creating art and I like being here Mm -hmm. with you too. So, um, Oh, (laughs) thanks. You know, what I create is sort of like indefinable, I think, for a lot of um, a lot of traditional artists. So, you know, I try not to box myself in with anything. And and I love that for me. So we love a subversive. We love subversive queen. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of things that go against the grain uh, this week, we Mm -hmm. um. We took a trip to complete and continue our spooky ookie season. We all know it's Hollow's Eve just around the corner. Um, we're going to get you. <laughs> um, we've done as we've curated a series of movies to, you know, take on the different facets of, of horror um, and Halloween here at the podcast. And Wait, uh, is this the last spooky pick? No. Okay. No, I, was I have because. Yeah. But yeah. We designed it so that each of us would get two. Okay, I was gonna okay, 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 okay. So this is my second one and you got one, and then you're gonna get a second one next week. Yeah, that's what I'm prepared with. I just I I was worried that maybe, you know, I picked a spooky one when it wasn't spooky week, but you know what? I do whatever I want. And so (laughs) Yeah, so we're each gonna get two. Yeah. Okay. Um so this is number two for me, and then You're gonna you're gonna lead us out. You're gonna lead up when you're gonna lead us closer and getting close to Thanksgiving if we're not messing not careful. Mm. Um so yeah, so I gave Jane 1995's Vampire in Brooklyn to watch yep. this week. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And um mm. I did write a little something in between oh, episodes okay. when I was in the lab wow. with my pen and pad trying to get this fucking okay. label out. Um right, right. what label? And, uh, Trying to get this label out? Label what off. Label? Sorry, trying to get this label off. Oh, you're starting your own label? I didn't realize that. It was that. a Dr. Dre lyric. It was, it was, it was a Dr. Dre lyric. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Just, I'm not like... With a pin in a pad, trying to get this fucking label off. Uh, Slim shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Babies. Babies, yeah. Yeah, totally. you remember. Of course. Isn't that Forgot About Dre? You know it. So what do you mm-hmm. say to somebody you hate? Or anybody trying to bring trouble your way? I'm not, I can't, we can't do this. Um, we can't do this. <laughs> it was a moment, though. It was a it moment. It was people. a moment, and we all fucking you, loved it. And you loved it, too. And Gen to Z, there. Gen Z, if it wasn't your moment, it still could be, you know? It still you could know be. Where, Jane you know remembers Spotify it. Is. She was in the back seat of some strange man's car, probably. <laughs> weed smoke wafting out of the windows, trying to figure out how she was going to explain <laughs> herself to Nan and Bill. I can only imagine. That's um, probably very accurate. <laughs> absolutely, baby. Those Southie girls are different. Um, so I'm not from Southie. <laughs> oh, she's going to be mistaken for a... Okay. No, I'm just, right. you know, want to be accurate. I'm Cambridge, from Cambridge. Upper crust. Mm-hmm. Old money. So we're going to go ahead and dive into um, the synopsis this week. I'd for love Vampire to hear Brooklyn. it. Love to hear what you've uh, cooked up in the lab. 
then stop. My God, I've been waiting for you to jump down my throat all day. <laughs> oh, I couldn't resist. Okay. Okay, hold on. Let me be quiet. Picture it. Brooklyn, 1995. A mysterious ship crashes into a harbor in the dead of night. Silas, the dock watchman, and his wayward nephew Julius are the first to stumble upon its remnant. As Silas takes stock of the ship's cargo, he discovers the bloody corpses of its entire crew. In fact, the only sign of life comes in the form of a bloodthirsty wolf who vanishes as quickly as he appears. While Silas struggles to make sense of the crash, his nephew Julius is soon getting the once over on the other side of town from a couple of mobsters. That is, until a mysterious dark stranger appears and rips them to shreds. Julius soon discovers that his savior is Maximilian, a vampire who claims to be from the coasts of Africa. After forcing Julius to imbibe several drops of his blood to seal the compact of servitude, Max sets about putting his now indentured servant turned ghoul to work. He is here for one reason and one reason only, to find the half-blooded Vamtress he was fated to locate and wed for all eternity. He doesn't know where she is, only that it is somewhere in Brooklyn. And as we soon discover, the unsuspecting bride isn't just in Brooklyn. She's a Brooklyn police officer named Rita Vetter. Rita knows little of her own origins, only that her mother was a Caribbean scholar who was placed in an asylum shortly after her birth, and her father died in the Caribbean before she was even born. Shortly after Max appears, Rita begins having horrifying visions of a vampiric woman in a coffin. All the worse, she bears a startling resemblance to her. And as she struggles to make sense of these images, she also fights to hold on to her humanity. All the while, the increasingly desperate Maximilian employs a series of stunts in the hopes of sinking his fangs deep into her. Will Rita fend off his vampiric advances, or will Maximilian's wifely premonition prove true? <laughs> we've seen them in Transylvania. Hell, we've even played baseball with them in Forks, Washington. But there's nothing quite like a vampire in Brooklyn. And scene. Yeah, it got really spooky ooky. It did. Thank you for that retelling, though. It was really, really got us there, got us to the place where we need to be. One thing you did mention is that you said he was from Africa, but I thought he was from. I couldn't figure it out. It was confusing okay. to me. And Dave and I had <laughs> that... a whole conversation about it. Okay. Because I couldn't, and I was reading about it, and then it, some people were saying that he was from Africa. Some people were saying, because he mentions about the slaver ships that passed through Africa and ended up in, like, the Bermuda Triangle. And he talks about being from the Bermuda Triangle. Right. So it was a little that confusing was, for me. Uh, he, uh, okay, so in the beginning, I thought he was talking about the general like diaspora of vampires from northern africa to different places like he mentioned i think he mentioned transylvania or the carpathian mountains or whatever he, yep, they're called the, he mentioned the carpathian mountains yeah in, carpathian yeah, mountain. that's what it is yeah. um and then the Bermuda triangle which is where he was i don't know if he was like born in Africa. I mean, look, we that this brings us exactly to my very first like it point, which 
is the muddled accent of Eddie Murphy playing this character, which I loved because it gave me no further indication of where he was from at any point. And it changed and there were different moments where it was deeper and it was wild. It, it it was very much like giving like a kind of patois like it was yes. like he really it was very non-committal but like not was, well no 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 it's not no it's not done well it's like it's dancing <laughs> above making a decision is what it is it's yes, like i'll exactly. dip my toe in here i'll dip my toe in here but it also it also was giving there's not a dialect coach on set and like right. eddie was just like i got it and right. Wes was I, like i've got I, enough balls to keep in the air like <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what the tone of this this movie is that I'm directing. Exactly. So you take on the accent and we'll just we'll go on that ride with you because it's yeah. unclear what what the accent is supposed to be. And there's a lot yeah. of this and sometimes it feels like he's trying to give a little bit of like Transylvania Count Chocula. Yeah. It's, it's it's all over the place. You're correct. It's wild. And Wes was like that's number 953 on the things of on the list of things I have to worry about. So absolutely we're gonna let that That's go no i agree with you that was um we're jumping right in um yeah jane jane started us out yeah mm-hmm. it was very that was one of mine as well because i was yeah. just like i like that we're just sort of doing whatever we want and it's that thing when you have a massive star in a movie and i feel like things just fall by the wayside because it's like you've got a huge star and they're steering the ship and yeah you're really and trying seemed- to sort of juggle And it seems like Eddie just like wasn't that into the idea of doing this movie anyways. Like I read that he only did this movie because it allowed him to get the rights to The Nutty Professor and make that movie because he wanted to finish his contract with Paramount, I think it was. And so he was like, by the time they were like shooting this, he was like kind of like phoning it in. But I I don't know if that's all true. Yeah, like, so basically, they said that, like, this is 1995. Eddie, in 1996, The Nitty Professor will come out and be a huge hit. Um, Mm -hmm. The rumor was that, like, Eddie only did this to get the rights. Nutty Professor, the 1996 Eddie Murphy film, is a remake of a Jerry Lewis film from 1963. So the rumor was that to get those rights to do it, they basically strong-armed him into doing um into doing this picture but also it's it's interesting though because also it's clear that like i read in multiple sources that like eddie murphy was such a huge west craven fan and really wanted an opportunity to work with him so it feels like it's a little bit of both i mean two things can be true well yes and he and his brothers i think charlie murphy both of his brothers wrote Sorry, we are we're on um we're recording right now and uh Jane just had a series of balloons um up here on her screen. I don't know where they came from. We're recording using a, Maybe a, a word you, know, you said. It's fucking AI these days. My god. I don't know, but that was wild that I've never experienced that. Jane, were they in the room with you? You can be honest. No, they safe? were. I I I hope so. We're okay, about to find right. out. Um, um what was I saying? We're talking about his brothers who worked on the Oh yeah, he and he and his brothers worked on the movie and wrote it all together and produced it. So it's like maybe he didn't want to star in it initially. Maybe he just wanted to like sell the you know, sell the screenplay and have Wes Wes Craven direct it but didn't want to be in it. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's uh, Charlie, Mur- the late great Charlie Murphy, RIP, and mm-hmm. then Vernon Lynch, Eddie Murphy's two brothers, co-wrote the script with him for this movie. It does sound like it was like um, Eddie Murphy's production company. I think it was one of the first big things that Eddie Murphy's production company like had their name on as well. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear. Also. We'll get into it in a second. First, okay. So the movie was released on October 27th, 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it made, made on a budget of $14 million. And then at the box office, it made um, $19 million in the US and Canada, $35 million worldwide. So it wasn't like a flat out like flop. It I didn't mean, lose money, but people for an Eddie like Murphy it. film, for an Eddie Murphy yes. film, it these numbers are like pretty tepid. Like, yeah, considering like what he's known, the, the things he's known for doing mm-hmm. at the box office. Um, but yeah, no, you you are correct. Uh, we like to use our patented like it, love it, loathe it uh, to sort of divide the movie up and anchor the discussion that we're having. We sort of already dived into our like it. James yes. started us out by talking about Eddie Murphy's accent, which was very much in my notes as well. Um, the thing that I had, which we've already also talked about to start out my notes, was just Wes Craven. Like the fact that like mm. I remember this movie from when I was a kid. I've seen it a couple of times, but it's been a very long time. And uh, I always forget that Wes Craven directed it because it's such an interesting movie in like Wes Craven's like filmography. I feel like. I don't think I've ever known that. I don't think I've ever associated him with this movie. Right. It's like, it's also one of those things too. We talked, Jane and I saw each other this weekend. um, And we talked about this a little bit because I had said to Jane that like, uh, it feels like one of those movies because Wes Craven typically a lot of times Wes Craven's movies star um, either unknowns or sort of up and coming actors. And this is one of those movies that has a huge star. And Jane, of course, countered um, by bringing up the fact that Drew Barrymore starred in the first screen movie, which is true. Um, mm-hmm. This feels a little different to me. Because well, it is. Of, but I agree with you that like it's not something Drew Barrymore- that he does a lot. Yes, and Drew Drew Barrymore. I mean, she's in the first ten minutes of Scream, which is you know the defining scene of Scream. The defining scene of Scream, and also one of the most iconic things to do with the biggest star in your movie is kill them in the first ten minutes, and you that was like blew everyone's mind. So like, I think the fact, but she was also billed as like one of the top people in the. Oh God, her face was Was everywhere everywhere in all of the all of the uh, publicity materials I mean, and it's also gone down in history as like it's one of the most like iconic like murder scenes in a horror movie ever i mean totally. it's up there with like janet lee and psycho yes 100 like, percent. you know but i will say this is obviously a different vibe because eddie murphy is in the entire movie and so it is a, a star starring fully in you know it's a yeah it's a starring movie. vehicle for eddie murphy yeah. um but yeah, it is. It is interesting, though. Um, what's your next like it, Jane? Um, let's see. Oh, so on the boat in the beginning, like the boat crashes into the dock into like the place where Silas is like keeping night watch or whatever. And obviously he goes onto the boat and discovers all of these dead bodies who have whose life has been sucked out Um of them by Eddie Murphy, but he's, you know, long gone at this point. So obviously the police are called and that's when you find out Angela Bassett as Rita Vetter is, um, a police officer and she is walking around this boat and touching 
everything, putting her bare hands on everything. She discovers a coffin. She opens it. And I'm like, this is an active crime scene. There are, I'm not kidding you, multiple dead bodies. Not just one. There's like six or seven, maybe up to ten, might be double digits. And you... (laughs) The cop in 1995 are walking through this crime scene like it's your own apartment, lifting everything, messing everything up. And I just, you know, my forensic files mind was like, what are you doing, Angela? Well, calm down, Mark Helgenberger, okay? The thing is, it, this is maritime law, and it's different. When you're on a boat, there's so much water. There's so much salt. Mm, okay. It's just, it's different. And so because wow. of that, prints don't matter. DNA mm. is DNA. It doesn't matter. Um, when you're in, when you're on wow. a boat, you have to use a different set of sleuthing s- skills. And so it's like you're. Oh, looking and to you see know what- this because you're like what on Jag professionally. Oh my god, I was. I, I when Jag was still on the air before the cowards mm. canceled it, I was one of the continuity <laughs> people. And I do know this. You're looking at the. You're looking at what's going on with like the the oceanic life. You're looking mm. what's going on with the animals of the water. Mm. I'm more interested in what like why is that mackerel flopping like that? That tells and, me more about a crime scene than like all of the DNA in the world. Than DNA or blood or fingerprints. I'd love for you to elaborate on how. And I'm going to give you the floor. And you know what, Brandon? You can have as long as you want. You can spend this uh, entire podcast describing it. Because the you stop. owe it to me and you owe it to the audience. Look. If I'm trying to figure out what actually happened on a boat, <laughs> then I'm paying attention to sea life because I know that all of those animals. You said you that. Get, I want to know why. Because their guts. That's where everything's held at. Like if I told you how many times, how many times I've been on a boat working like a murder scene or like a big robbery. And I'm looking for like pirates booty and I get on the boat and I'm like, we're missing coins. (laughs) We're missing jewels. Like, where are they? They're not Mm. in these treasure chests. And Mm. then what do I see? I see a flippy floppy like salmon. I get, you know, I always carry a knife on me or I just use my, or I just use my finger. And I see a salmon in the deep sea. Uh, Potentially. No, that is a freshwater fish. (laughs) And I stick my finger down Uh, its throat, and I pull, and I pulled out like evidence before. So that's why you make you make the salmon who is in the deep sea (laughs) vomit up evidence in order to solve your case. And I'd love to know what does that salmon Uh, in the deep sea vomit up rings like rings, <laughs> necklaces pieces of jewelry. that's what i'm saying so you have to be paying attention to everything are you like, oh. robbing crime scenes or are you making how i would love to know sort of your record in terms of like what you solved versus like what you know like how many crime scenes you've actually been on i think it's interesting that you tried to make it about me being a thief <laughs> When all I said was that I found these pieces of evidence, which I then immediately mm-hmm. put into evidence. I didn't like find the ring in this and, and when throat you, and then like put it on my finger. You crazy? What? I care about law. Uh, oh, 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 that's the crazy part. Not you forcing your fingers down the throat of a salmon to vomit up what you what you could perceive as being evidence because apparently in maritime law the only evidence can be jewelry stuck inside a flapping mackerel 
Look, you are not a water girly, okay? You are not a water girly. I didn't. You were. I didn't grow up on the water. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. If you, I grew up. No, I'm not saying you didn't. I'm not saying you didn't grow up on the water, but I'm saying that's not like that's not where you're one with nature. Like you don't go. You don't. You would never pick up a fish and like just touch a raw fish. Like if you if I'm touch eating like, the belly, sushi. if you touch the belly of a fish, you can feel what's in its intestine. I can feel a, a pocket watch in the gut <laughs> of, you know, like a Branzino. Like I can feel that in its tummy and I know how to work it out without injuring the fish. But I'm just saying you have to turn over every leaf because a lot of times smugglers will either they'll try and hide things by sticking it in the gullet of, a, of an animal and you have to work it out. I found drugs that way, too. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just saying about, we're talking about a murder scene with multiple dead bodies and I you're get it. trying I to get shake it. down some fish for some rings. <laughs> I'm just, it's one of many tools that I use. Okay, I'm not going to get into everything. Okay. I didn't, I'm not we have here. to move on. My, we have to move my on. My point. I agree. I agree. My point is that Rita is a trained cop. <laughs> She's got and her leather duster on and her freshly mm-hmm. crimped hair, and mm-hmm. she is solving these crimes, mama. And yep. she's not going to be bothering with pesky gloves that are going to get in the way of her fresh mani. And so she just, you know, she does it raw, like we used to do it back in the day. Sherlock Holmes was not about those gloves, okay? You just, okay. you have to lift it open sometimes and, you know, just get in there. And sometimes it helps if you don't have gloves on because when you get to touch evidence at a crime scene, it tells you a story that it, you can't get with latex gloves on. I'm just, and the story, the story that it tells is that you are tampering with evidence and is no longer a viable crime scene. Oh my God, but, you, you sound know, like my commish. You sound like my commish is what you're sounding like in this part of why I, I sound a lot, I've, that is not the first time I've heard that I sound like Michael Chiklis. Oh my god. Um so yeah, Jane, thank you for that. You came You're welcome. You came, okay. The the next thing that I had in my notes was actually what is this time period? Because <laughs> like in the beginning of the movie when the ship comes into the dock, it's like some of these sailors look like they're from like the 18th century. <laughs> and so I'm like, has this bad boy been on has it been on the water for like 200 years? It's so unclear to me. And it's really all- it's really unclear because I don't know what a sailor would wear today. But sometimes you do see people like from the Navy at like the airport and they are wearing those like old timey uniforms. Yeah, but a couple of them look like they were wearing like they had <clears throat> pussy bows tied around their neck. <laughs> Like it was giving like, something very different. <laughs> it, it was giving like it, it was giving like a different time period. And that's why I was like, is this like is this a new boat? Or is this like, is this a boat that's like traveled through time and like finally found its from way the to Bermuda like, Triangle? From from the Bermuda Tri, you know? And so yeah. it was really mm. unclear to me. And I knew we were in 1995 in Brooklyn, but I wasn't sure like what like Maximilian's journey had mm. been to get here. And they didn't never really talk about it. That's another layer I hadn't considered, you know? That's a really good point. We could be playing with time more than we realized, or at least yeah, that I realized. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's your next like, Jane? <clears throat> um, 
My next like it is, okay, so Julius, I know you talked about him in your synopsis. He is the uh, nephew of Silas, the watcher. He's there when the boat initially crashes in. And he has a run-in with um, Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy essentially is like you're my ghoul and so he turns him into his indentured servant as his ghoul but the thing about all this is is that nobody seems to notice or question the fact that julius is rotting in front of their eyes he's still running around brooklyn with gray skin blood all up in his like nose mouth and teeth area and he's losing limbs but like no one reacts to that like they make like the main cast like will make a joke about like oh here's your hand it fell off but there's no one in the street being like what is wrong with that person like we need to get to the hospital like you know what i mean like he's at the club with them at one point and he's like talking to rita and she has no reaction to the fact that there is blood all over his mouth and inside of it i just uh, no one no one batted an eyelash at him so Julius is played by Kadeem Hardison, who I know mainly from playing Dwayne on um, on a different world. And yes, he's very funny in this movie. He's so and good in this movie. He's one of my favorite characters. He's so funny, and it, you are correct, Jane. It is like it's so that one of the funnier things too is we did not mention the fact that like the character, the actor who plays the role of Silas, is the legendary, the iconic. <gasps> Rest in peace, John Witherspoon. John Witherspoon. Comedic genius. Yes. So that's one of, fucking funny. One of my liking points is literally just John Witherspoon. <laughs> he's so, he's so he, fucking funny. He's so funny. He's so good in everything. He always has like very similar, hilarious, chaotic energy. Yes. That works for every character that he's playing. He is a big part of Boomerang, an episode that we did um, yes. that you guys yeah, should go check out. Movie. That's that was a super fun episode. Such a good movie if you haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, he he's in Friday. He's in Boomerang. He's in yeah. so many things. Clearly like an actor also that like Eddie Murphy just liked working with and like I brought mean, to multiple projects because he brings like dave said jokingly we're watching he was like when absolutely no one else will do like do accept no substitutes get yeah. hire john witherspoon like it's exactly. like he he is such a unique and singular talent and in this movie mm-hmm. some of the funniest moments are the there, there's a moment because the one of the funny things about about Julius turning into the ghoul is that he's losing body parts, but he just like yeah. keeps it moving. Like he loses his hand while he's like waxing Maximilian's like Lincoln Town car. His hand just falls off, and then he and then he picks it up and he turns and he looks at Silas, and Silas just sort of pulls his glasses down and gives him a look like, "What the fuck's going on?" But like doesn't say anything. It's, <laughs> it's so, so funny. But you're right, Jane. Like Julius is literally like turning like different shades of gray, mm-hmm. and his body parts are falling off and he is just keeping it pushing and nobody bats an eye it also led to this interesting sort of rabbit hole for me and dave because we were both like okay so like what's this ghoul vampire relationship i don't think i understood that it was not vampire relationship it's but it's like but it is like a very like well known and like well written about like topic i didn't know i didn't know that because I, the only vampires I know really well, obviously, are the Collins. Because, yeah. you know, uh, that's the only those those are the only real vampires to me, of course. 
Oh, for sure. No. But apparently for like hundreds of years, there's like there's been a lot of lore around the ghoul vampire relationship. It is like a sacred bond. Like I had no idea. And interestingly, ghouls are not zombies. And from what I've read, like ghouls are actually sort of they occupy the space between vampire and between zombie. They are their own sort of like thing. They're 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 living to a certain degree but it, but they are made into ghouls um once the blood of the vampire is like is shared with them so they become sort of tethered to the vampire after that act takes place and then they basically do the bidding of the vampire in a way so it's kind of like in a, if we want to think about twilight another one we've covered all the twilight movies go through our catalog but it's maybe it's something similar to imprinting almost where it's like you are now bound to this vampire mm. um but i think that it's a trope that i wasn't really familiar with and they didn't spend a lot of time talking about in the movie but looking into it it was like oh this is a whole thing i didn't know this was a thing i cool vampire never relationship. I'd never heard of it. Like, right? I, and the, I don't see it in movies a lot. Not a lot of movies have really like delved delved into that relationship. I'm also like confused about like what a ghoul is necessarily. Like, I've never really like thought about it too much. And I guess it is like it's it is different from a zombie but it looks so much like a zombie to me just like physically so i guess i kind of always just associated the two which is interesting that is interesting what i basically what i read was that a ghoul is like it is a human who is blood bound to a vampire okay and that's that that's the like that's their defining characteristic i guess yes and like i mean spoiler alert at the end of the movie after the maximilian character disappears and then um julius ends up finding the ring that maximilian was wearing early in the in the movie he puts it on and then all of like his body at this point is all but falling apart he's lost multiple body parts but he instantly is sort of like restored to like his previous state of you know being a completely like uh like fully flesh fully flesh you know he appears like a fully fleshed human being he looks healthy he looks like mm-hmm. he looked at the beginning of the movie he's got a, a really great outfit on and he is now like ready to take on like the vampire crown that has been sort of passed down to him by maximilian so it's like and also maximilian says earlier in the movie to him at one point like he asked can i be like will i be like you one day and he says yes that's possible like he so it's like i think that like in a way ghouls can kind of almost be like apprentices too like and then eventually a vampire can turn a ghoul into a vampire like it's almost like a like you like but is that new is that new is that a new concept that was introduced in this movie or is that a thing that oh no that's like a thing i i think that's like a thing in the vampire ghoul lore it's like this relationship that can sort of like change and morph and like they can become like a pupil and they can learn from the vampire and they can ultimately i mean a vampire could turn anybody into a vampire so like they can ultimately Mm. be turned into a vampire down the road um so yeah it's interesting, but I did. I knew. I don't think I really knew what ghouls were, though. I think I just thought about ghouls as sort of like a part of like Halloween lore. I don't think I thought about like what. And I don't think that this is exclusively what a ghoul is, but I think this is a type of ghoul. Mm. Like, I don't think ghouls have to have this sort of like relationship with a vampire. I think it's a term that can be used to cover other aspects of like the undead. So they and can like that. exist without a vampire. I think so. I don't think okay. a ghoul needs so a then vampire. it can't so then it can't be their defining characteristic that a vampire like turns them into a ghoul. 
and that they have like a vampire that they quote unquote imprint on or imprints on them or something. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's really I think it gets really I'm sure it's, it's way more complicated in like is, and the hundreds really, and hundreds of years of writing about this than like you and thing. I are going to figure out in the next five minutes. So We're not we'll leave it at code, that. But We're it's not, very but, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, feel free to look it up and let us know if you guys have any like more info on and it. I, and we may have a listener right now who's listening to screaming at the, I, I was going to say the radio. What the fuck I think people are doing <laughs> these days. But um, still yelling at their transistor. Um, but it's just like, if you have that kind of info then please feel free to share it uh with us yeah. you can find us at movies we missed on instagram on facebook on threads and um we're yeah. happy to get any feedback and to share it with the rest of the listeners um because yeah i would love to learn a little bit more about it to be honest with you i think it's a really interesting um totally concept. yeah yeah so um absolutely yeah so that for sure my next like it um was actually so the very first scene that eddie meets julius not not the first scene there's a scene where the boat crash happens but then there's a scene shortly after that where um Mm -hmm. julius is basically being sort of shaken down by these like mobsters that he owes money to and they're in this alley and maximilian appears and when he appears, these two mobsters aren't taking him seriously. And then they try and they basically tell him to, to like scram and he right. doesn't. And they threaten to shoot him and then they shoot him. But he's a vampire. And so it does nothing. But he ends up killing one of the guys. And the other guy goes and hides behind their car in this alley. And he's trying to load his gun, but he's freaking out because he just saw a vampire. And mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy's character like flies over the car. And then the POV of the camera is basically like. Eddie Murphy's Maximilian character like destroying this man. You can hear him screaming and you can just see Eddie Murphy like throwing limbs of his body, ripping off limbs of his body. It was so funny to me though because A, it felt like it was almost too many limbs that went into the air at one point but he's just like (laughs) ripping off these, he's like he's just ripping them and all we can just see is like legs and arms going into the air and it was a really funny scene to me. And that is so I don't know if I was supposed funny. to laugh or quake. That's well, that's the whole thing about the tone of this movie. Um, that like you can't figure out exactly like what they're trying to do with things. But I will say that in the same scene, there was a moment that made me fucking laugh so hard. It was before he ripped that guy apart when the gangster like shot him like 25 Mm -hmm. times and he like fell back from the bullets and then his body rises up like like he's like on a plank and it like rises his body up and the fucking look on Eddie Murphy's face when he's being raised up to face the gangsters who shot him is so absurd and so ridiculous like so wide-eyed and like you think you got me but you didn't and I fucking lost my shit so that's just like a funny scene and I don't know if it's supposed to be or not yeah i think that's the thing about this movie is that there's some of those scenes where you're like should i be laughing um they're because they're like genuinely trying to be scary at some points sometimes they are and, and yeah. sometimes they it, and sometimes it is genuinely supposed to be funny and like other right, times it is Julius genuinely is like su- hands falling off and shit oh that's for to be sure funny. 
Or when Eddie, you know, Eddie's also, this is, once again, one of the things that Eddie Murphy does a lot of is play multiple characters in movies. And in this movie, he plays multiple characters. He plays Mm -hmm. the Italian robber uh, at the um, Italian restaurant. He plays the the preacher, the the black preacher outside Mm -hmm. of the church. Like, he plays multiple characters like he always does. And, like, these moments feel intentionally funny in a way that they felt funny in Coming to America, in a way that they were supposed to feel, you know, funny in, like, other the way he's used these characters before. And I read an interview where he talked about it and he said like the, he talked about these moments and he said like, these were supposed to be like funny moments, but it's also interesting because Charlie Murphy said before in an interview that like the tone of the movie that he and Eddie wanted to do a straight horror film. And yeah. that, and that Wes Craven pushed them to sort of like make it funny. But then I also saw an interview with Wes Craven where he alluded to wanting to do a more serious film and like then like letting Eddie sort of do his thing and it ending up a little yeah. bit more funny. So it's interesting. I'm sure the truth lies somewhere in the middle, but I thought it was interesting that it seemed like they were saying similar things. Um, but ultimately I think what that shows is just like maybe like a lack of cohesion in terms of vision and maybe a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And when you're dealing with a star like Eddie Murphy levels, level famous, especially in like 1995, I'm sure it's very hard to like, to maintain like complete control over like the directorial aspect of a project like this, just because not because of any reason other than like, he's such a huge star. You've got the studio behind him. You've got like his fans and you've got probably like what, like the studios think his fans want to see him doing. You've got him wanting to sort of branch out and to do something new artistically. And then you've got a director like Wes Craven, who's, established and like known for doing a very particular kind of thing. And I'm sure that like all of that star power, all of that like celebrity can probably, it can probably be really hard to sometimes anchor a project. I, yes, I I absolutely agree with that. Also when people just aren't on the same page too, it's like all of that contributes to that. And what I've noticed, what I noticed when like doing research into this movie, one of the things that like seemed to me is like there's a lot of contradictory accounts, as we mm-hmm. just mentioned. So I and the movie didn't do that well. It is now having a surge as like a cult classic cult and favorite. people yep. really um, are enjoying it now later after the fact but i will say a lot of the public conversation from eddie or from wes or from charlie is like after the movie came out and didn't do well so there might be some sort of like throwing saving some people face. under the bus and saving sure, face sure. you know what i mean so like i think like again like you said the dr- the truth is somewhere in the middle and we won't really ever know but it's interesting to hear other people's perspective of it too because it's like i'm not I'm not in any way like (laughs) insinuating that someone is lying about the experience, but everybody's memory of the experience is probably different. So for sure. And also like, let's be clear. Like this is not a horrible movie by any stretch. Oh my God. It's a really like interesting and like entertaining movie. And I think it's a really interesting movie for like Eddie Murphy and Wes Craven to both have in their catalogs. Like for a number of reasons. So like, I just want to make that clear to the listeners that like, this isn't us at all panning it. And you should definitely go watch it. Cause it is like a really like fun, funny kind of movie that exists. Yes. This was, it's also a very it's a singular movie there are not other movies like this out here at 
all. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why it's a cult classic. It is enjoyable. It is fun. And there are some like very weird, confusing things about it, but it is super fun to watch. It is it, but and I'm like, I want to make that clear. I don't want people to think that like, I mean, certainly we have watched movies on this podcast that I have not enjoyed. This is not one of them. <laughs> no, it's also like very interesting because it's like, it's two of the biggest stars Yes, in the world, it's Eddie Murphy and Angela Bassett at the house. Right. So it's like exactly, it can't be that bad. You know what I mean? It it's one of be. those things because they're such talented performers. Absolutely, um, yeah. But no, I, uh, I, I think. Did you have another like it, Jane? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my next like it is sort of a question. Um, why is there a loose snake in a nightclub? Oh yeah. Oh my god, that scene was so fucking funny. There's a scene in the movie where Angela Bassett is like going, she's she's going around, she's gotten a lead, she's trying to solve this um this m- the mystery. murder case from murder all the case. bodies on the boat with the cr- the crime scenes that she's compromised. She gets a tip to talk to this guy called Doctor. Yeah, of course. To Dr. Zico or Zeko, I think it's Zico. And he is at this like reggae nightclub, which, by the way, I don't know if you remember, but there was like a like reggae nightclub in Wrigleyville that I, I used to go to sometimes. I think you got it went with me a few times. It was so much fun. But this like was giving me that vibe. It was called The Wild Hair. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. In Wrigleyville. To- yeah. Yeah, that was, that was I, I loved that place. I had so much fun every time I went there. But oh um, that's neither here nor there. I was just like, I oh, remember, my God, my uh, my youth when we used to dance to like two in the morning to like reggae music. Funny story. OK, mm-hmm. so Jane and I went to this club one time with like several people. Mm-hmm. And what the, story are you telling right now? <laughs> and we're like in the club, like hanging out. All of a sudden it's like, where's Jane? And like, I can't find her. <sighs> Nobody knows where she is. And then I like I'm outside because I'm getting worried and I go outside. I'm looking for her. And then get, who comes stumbling out of the alley with Afro man and the gang and a billow of smoke behind them. It's like it's like this crew of men and Jane in the center. And she's got them all in the palm of her hand. And they're like obsessed with her. And they come out of the alley and they're all like, oh, my God, you're the best. And like Jane was just fucking chilling with the crew. And having the time of her fucking life. And she comes out with like some fucking like mixtape. And these boys are just like obsessed with her. And it was like the funniest thing. And we were like, what is going on, girl? And oh she was my just God. like, oh, we were just talking. And then they wanted to play some music for me. And then we just hung out. And it, it was just so funny. And it was so quintessential Jane, like making friends wherever she goes. And like creating, creating the moment and the vibe, of course. Um, but I have a I very vague memory of that. It was, they were so nice. They were just like, they were very that, sweet. That was what I really liked about that place, the, the wild hair, because uh-huh. you, everybody, it was like one of those few places where it was like, it wasn't like a clicky place. Like you would go to dance no. and everybody would dance with each other and you would like meet new people the whole time you're there and it wasn't like in a creepy way it was like everybody was like just like there vibing and like being social and like 
there are so many ways where that could be creepy at like different other clubs within the city. But this was just like, and I wonder if it's, it, I'm sure it's still open. I'm just like too old to go out to clubs anymore, but it was so much fun. I loved that place. I like how you said too old to go out to clubs. Like this is like the hunger games district seven and they forbidden <laughs> women over the age of 35. Uh, what I meant is to go to clubs. Uh, I I'm too tired to go to clubs because you, what we club do you go to? Vibrant people, Jane. We can go to clubs and maybe get what? looks, but we, we're there. <laughs> I don't think we would get looks because they're definitely so, no. they're definitely people of all different ages at clubs absolutely. in Chicago. One hundred percent. As there should and be, I, absolutely. As there should be. There's just we like blend right in. We blend right in, but I'm just like normally it doesn't get pop until like midnight, and I'm too fucking old for that shit. No, I feel you. Yeah, that would be a lot for me. I start like yeah. I'm out like that. Like every now and then I'll go out. We have we have several friends who still frequent clubs and every now and then a bars, I'll find myself out like you do late. pop in every once in a while. But I, but there's a point where I look at the clock and I'm always shocked by how late <laughs> it is. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Or I'm like trying to go home. And one of our really good friends who we hang who we hang out with, he'll be like, like let's go like to this place and i do that math in my head and i'm like i know know what this is gonna mean if we we were we're gonna get there and it's it's midnight now we're gonna get there at 12 30 i then have to hang out for at least 30 minutes to have justified taking an uber there and that the whole 30 minutes i'm gonna be staring at my clock because i don't want to be there longer than that and then (laughs) i gotta get back home that's another 30 minutes if i'm lucky if i'm able to get an uber as soon as i call for one so it's just like "Ah, how about he is always he is always a one more stop guy which is like, yeah. you know, the last stop is always the la- the worst idea. It's like you and, always know. And I always feel like when I like, I find it always feel like uh, when I find out about what happened after I left, I'm always like, mm-hmm. yeah, I left at the right time. Like, yeah, that wouldn't have done any more for me for my <laughs> night. Like, I would have just been, I would just been dragging y'all down because you would have been like, yeah. oh my god, you're glued to your phone. Why are you just staring at Uber <laughs> rates to to see when they go down? It's like it couldn't be clear that I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> So I just like I need to be winding down with a cup of tea with my investigation investigation discovery. That part, baby. <laughs> like I want to be in bed. Who yep. got murdered? Um, so, yeah. It wasn't wasn't me. I wasn't at the club. <laughs> um, no, the um, snake is really that yes. snake scene was really funny. So they're at this club and there's just like this loose snake there and it like this is the first time that she meets well the first time that she remembers meeting um Eddie Murphy's vampire character um why can't I think of his name what's his name Maximilian Maximilian of course Maximilian and there's like a snake behind her at the bar which is like literally loose at the bar and it like goes to like bite her and like Eddie Murphy like saves her but it's like and then the guy who's like the snake minder is like oh that never happens and like goes to like grab the snake back and it's like why is there a loose snake at a bar yeah it's also (laughs) the thing too though is that it's like when he comes up he's like he's so apologetic but this club is like it's piled full of people and it's just like where was it supposed to be like where would have been the normal place for it to be like because it's unclear because it's just it's just loose on a shelf and so it's like did something go awry was there a cage opened because it's never made clear like it just seems like it just is allowed to free roam and maybe like he meant like he knows better than to come down here Um, <laughs> uh, but it was a really funny scene. Uh, it's so and, weird. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the next, like my final, like it actually that I had. So mm. I was, it was a question for you, actually. So there's a scene yeah. in this movie where because one thing, Eddie Murphy can like make himself like appear and disappear. Like Maximilian, he can he can do whatever. Purposes. I don't understand can, what the he can do what anything the rules he wants. Are. <laughs> what the rules? They don't exist. He can do whatever he wants. But his like coffin is a very real and tangible thing that apparently he can't make appear. Like that needs to be carried. And so his ghoul man Julius, man turned ghoul, is lugging this thing over from the harbor this big ass coffin and he's loading up these stairs. He lives in an apartment in his uncle Silas's building. And like, he's trying to get this big ass coffin up the stairs and Silas comes out. And when Silas comes out and he sees what's going on, he knows it's a sketchy ass situation. And he's like, I'll let you stay here, but you got to pay me triple what the rent prices are. So Eddie Murphy just tosses him a bag of like gold coins. And Silas is like, okay, that's good enough for me. I didn't see anything. And he slips back into his apartment. And all I could think about was like, how would you react to somebody paying you in gold coins, Jane, for like anything? First of all, I'd be like, I'm going to need to see evidence of a conversion rate that works out for me because I don't this could be, you know, th- this could be chocolate gold coins for all I know. Like, I absolutely this is not is is this solid gold? We are going to need to go visit like, you know, uh, a someone with a a thing that weighs gold and that can check gold like i it's 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 new york city i'm not trusting a fucking single person who throws a bag of coins at me ever it's it's always so funny in movies when people pay with like chunks of gold or just like Mm -hmm. loose diamonds because i'm just like this Mm -hmm. is just the beginning of a headache like what are you gonna do because you can't take you can't take this you can't take this to primark like you need no. to, you've got you've got to figure out how to make this work for you in the real world now. There's a whole other step, and you've got to find a person. If it's not nefarious, if it's nefarious, then you've got to find like people that are gonna do nefarious business, and you got to hope that they're right, not gonna right. fuck you over. And if you go to a legit person, you got certain questions you got to answer. So exactly. It's always just like people in movies pay people like, and, and I don't mean like gangsters paying gangsters. I mean, like right. people paying like everyday like civilians with like right. coins and the civilians are like, ooh, and they throw it in their pocket. It's like, what's your game plan? What you've done like you is you, on your hands. you've given me an errand and maybe more than one. And I've got That's enough to true. begin with. I hate running errands. That is my least favorite thing to do. And the only errands I like to run are the ones I don't have to do. Like yes. going to get coffee, going on a nice walk, going to, you know, gossiping. see what's gossiping, seeing what's new at Target, things like that. No, I agree. I just thought that that was really funny. Like John Witherspoon, this like land, this like <laughs> middle aged like landlord in New York with this loose bag of just like gold coins. Although I also part of me thinks that potentially, part of me thinks that potentially like. I feel like those gold coins, Jane, you mentioned them in chocolate. I don't know if the kids still get those, but when we were kids, they used to always be like those bags of like gold coins you could get from the store. They were just chocolate wrapped in gold. And the idea of somebody, I don't know why that's so funny to me, but you said it. The idea of somebody having so little respect for you that they're like, I'm going to pay you in gold and then handing you a fucking crown royal bag full of chocolate gold coins is fucking hilarious to me like well you know like i don't actually know if this is like the like um 
like the whatchamacallit, the where they came from. But mm-hmm. oftentimes, like during Jewish holidays, like mm-hmm. particularly during Hanukkah, they would give you the chocolate gold coins. They were called gelt. And oh. that was like a traditional gift for the kids. So oh, every Hanukkah we would get chocolate gelts. But I don't know if that is like I I honestly don't know where that tradition came from. If it used to be like actual coins that kids got, mm. but then it became like chocolate coins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't like uh, I'm not sure about the history of that at all. But that's that's what I think of when I see those. I just think of that's- Hanukkah. That's interesting. We used to get them for yeah. Christmas, so that's really interesting. Yeah, be like um, in this big bag of like, like in a um in the stockings that we used to get. We'd always get like gold coin, like chocolates, and so that's in those really like funny. in those like mesh bags that were like yep. so hard to open. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. of course, of course, absolutely. Oh Don't my god, oh, 80s babies out there, shout out. Um, are do you have any more like it's or was um. It- I have love it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Um, okay. Let's uh, move over into um, love it, Jane. What's your first one? Um, I love Rita's look for her date with Eddie. It is too much. She looks like she is going to a black tie event, and they're just having dinner in his place, and she is shown the fuck out like she's in her floor length black dress with like a floor length black coat with a red interior like a red lining and her hair is done up for the gods and i would have i was like you're going to like the the fanciest event of the fucking year and it's like no i'm just going to eddie's like shitty apartment it's like so here's the thing i actually mentioned this scene as well but for a different reason so Mm. eddie murphy has multiple times he's been his whole goal is is rita it is it is getting to rita maximilian Mm -hmm. this is his love he wants to be with her and there there's one time at that same party where he wields that snake um and he saves her life it starts out good and then julius the ghoul shows up and he's and he sort of foils Eddie's plan of like ensnaring her and Eddie's pissed. And so the whole movie is him trying to take on these different characters, because one thing he starts doing is like after he kills someone, apparently he can turn into that person. So he starts mm-hmm. killing people in order to shape shift into their bodies and to like wear them like skin, wear, wear them like <laughs> wear their skin like clothing. But like he's tried multiple times to get to Rita and this attempt he makes, he makes this last attempt where he basically creates a scenario where he can save her. And when he does, she's taken with him. And then he he asks her if she wants to have dinner. And he said, and she says, yes. And then he says, oh, and she says, I need 30 minutes. And he says, okay, I'll send a driver over to pick you up in 30. And then she says, ooh, a driver? Make it an hour. Okay, so Angela Bassett comes out in the gown that Jane just believes she's in a leather jacket and like jeans and she looks fabulous in that. Mm-hmm. But she goes upstairs she, to She, by change. the way, before, just real quick, I want to say Angela Bassett looks, I mean, we all know she is the most, one of the most beautiful women in the world, but she looks so effortlessly beautiful in every scene of this movie. It is almost distracting. She's so beautiful. And so many times now, because as I get older, I have that thing now where I'm hyper aware of my age. And when I watch movies and people and actors are my age and then I find that out and I'm like bummed and walking around like Charlie Brown (laughs) in the the middle of the Charlie Brown movie before (laughs) shit gets better. Like 
Angela Bassett's the opposite of that. Like Angela yeah. Bassett is the same age in this movie that I am now. And it's like, yay. It like makes you feel good about yourself. You're like, okay, this is what it can look like too, though. Thank God. Although who is Angela That's fucking Bassett? So fucking funny because I see Angela Bassett at 37 and I think, oh, I'm fucked. I'm absolutely fucked. <laughs> well, to be fair, Angela Bassett actually looks the exact same as she did in this movie right 100%. now. 100%. So and Hilarious. she's in her 60s. It is she, so wild. She's made a deal with the devil. Do you think she's had she, work done? If she has, it has been very, very specific. And yes. it has been very, so subtle. very subtle. Like, because she still looks like herself completely she looks, and utterly. She looks, her face is not, the thing is, is that like, it's, her face has not changed because it's her. You know what I mean? Like, it's her. She it's still hasn't, just as expressive and dynamic. Yes. It is. It's crazy. It is crazy. And there are Angela people Bassett, who are like genetic marbles, and I think she's one of them. It's true. And we don't talk about that enough when we talk about celebrities who look incredible and who age really, really amazingly. Because it's like a really big chunk of it. Of course, it's diet and exercise and the incredible skincare products and like everything. But like a huge chunk of it, because everybody knows people who like aren't celebrities who live in like their town that they grew up in, who age just fucking incredibly. And like they don't and they don't have access to like, obviously, those things. They're just like people that like mind their own fucking business and drink water. Like, yeah, Jane's taken off her glasses to sort of demonstrate how she's one of those people. And OK. <laughs> Um, but like we all know those kinds of people but I think it's like that with all of the incredible things that Angela Bassett probably does to take care of herself Mm -hmm. but she is so stunning and distractingly beautiful but in this scene she says "Give (laughs) give me an hour and she comes downstairs and this entire thing, this entire get up would have taken three to four hours to put together. So it's Six. hilarious. First of all, Six her, hours. her hair would have taken probably four hours to do. Mm-hmm. This is a completely different hairstyle <laughs> than she had when she went upstairs. It is like this sculpted, like mm. updo. It's like a French roll in the back and it's like cascading down the side of her face. It is so beautiful and it look it's so intricate. And it's like, there is no way in hell <laughs> That you went upstairs and were like, okay, let me take a shower. Let me put on some makeup. Let me do this crazy, wild hairstyle that nobody can do on themselves really quick. Mm -mm. And then let me get my ass downstairs. It's just, it's so funny. In in 59 minutes. It's so, it's it's so so ridiculous. Because I know makeup would have taken an hour and a half at minimum. Like, it's like, girl, I can't. I know. And then this gown Insane. that you just pulled out and I'm and like I guess didn't have to like steam or anything. You were just like no. you threw it out. You, th- you, you threw you it in the shower with you while you were tie evening gown at the ready. She's, she's like that sat oh that that satin gown in the back of the closet mm. with the that fits uh, me like a fucking coat. glove. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just throw that on and then I'll I'll mm. pin my hair up really quick with a couple of bobby pins mm. and uh, voila. But it was a very funny scene, and I absolutely put that in my love it. Um, that's so funny. I, and actually, we've covered a couple of um, we've covered a couple of my of my love it's. But the next mm-hmm. one that I have is so in this movie, <laughs> Angela Bassett's character Rita. First of all, we go to her apartment. She has a she has a partner who's played by the actor Alan Payne. He's in a lot of like Tyler Perry stuff. He was also um, mm. Jason in the movie Jason's Lyric. Um, super cute guy. <gasps> 
Um, oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. I was just like, I didn't look up his like specific IMDb. Yeah. So I was like, I know him, but I can't remember exactly where it is, where I do know him. But I absolutely remember him um, from Jason's Lyric. You've seen you've seen Jason Slayer before? Yes. And okay, did know. I did I watch it with you? No, we've no we haven't cuz I haven't seen it since I was like a little kid, but I remember okay. really like I, I saw it in my very... I saw it in my adulthood. I don't remember anything about it though, if you want to do it. Okay. Okay, good to know. But that's always the movie yeah. I remember Alan Payne from. Um, mm. But he plays the cop and apparently was handpicked by um, by Eddie Murphy to play this part. And he does a really he good job. He's so cute. Um, yeah. He's so cute. And he and he is um, he's her partner. Um, Justice is his name. He's he's Angela Bassett's uh, partner on the on the police squad. And mm-hmm. he comes to her apartment, which is a massive apartment in New York that you're like. And, and as soon as she walked in, I was like, how can e- one enormous. cop afford this apartment? Um, and then she has a roommate. It turns out the actress, uh, Simbi Callie plays the roommate. Her name is Nikki. And like, she, like they decided that they were like, so we're not going to actually create a character. No, we're just going to create like an, an idea, idea of a character. <laughs> and this idea is a woman who is so sexually like voracious <laughs> that like she doesn't care what she says and who she says it to and like we are starting to understand that there's maybe like a love affair not a love affair but like feelings bubbling between like just sexual Rita, tension a mm-hmm. sexual tension kind of um and she she makes a move on justice while Rita's there and Rita sort of is like taken aback and she just she she's kind of just like whatever she goes to her bedroom mm-hmm. she doesn't really think anything of it and she makes this move on him. She's trying to get him to her bedroom, the roommate, Nikki. And he and like she follows him downstairs because he forgets his keys. And they get downstairs and she sort of like approaches him. And she's already made pretty heavy sexual advances in the apartment when he excused himself after Rita leaves the room. Rita I mean. not really knowing what transpires after she goes into her bedroom. But she, Nikki follows him downstairs. She offers him. She's like, hey, you sure you don't want to come back up again? You left your keys upstairs. That may be a sign that you don't really want to leave. According to, you know, Freud, there's sometimes we do little <laughs> things like this when we, you know, we don't want to give in to the thing that we really want. And he just looks at her and he says, two words, cold shower. And I thought, if somebody said that to me, I would crawl <laughs> under the earth. If somebody ever had to be like, apparently I didn't make it clear enough that I'm not attracted to you. So let me explain what you need to do to yourself in order to, it, it, it was so, it was just so let me, concise. Let me go ahead and wipe the drool off your fucking face. You thirsty motherfucker. You are never going to have a piece of this because I find you repugnant. <laughs> That's the vibe, and I would never recover. I um, would literally become an agoraphobic and never leave the oh house. Oh, like. my God. And But Nikki she, just is unencumbered by it. She's just, just, she keeps it moving. And to be fair, these next couple actually go together. So this whole thing is like, yeah. it leads to her stumbling into, okay, Justice leaves. She's in the street. Mm-hmm. And Maximilian appears. <laughs> Having been humiliated but unaware. <laughs> Having been humiliated but like ever the fighter. Maximilian then appears just like out of nowhere. 
Yeah. He just appears and he has, they exchange maybe two words and she invites him upstairs. I'm not here to look. I'm not here to shame anyone for like, no, for like what they choose to do. It's not even, it's not <laughs> about that. It's just about the level of danger that I would think of like safety. Being, it's yes. a safety thing. It's like to yes, be on a 100%. street in New York in the middle of the night and like this random fucking man with this wild accent and this crazy wig on like this insane wig, which is a, somehow not a problem for you, which would be this a huge deal breaker for me. Shoulder length. Jerry curl <laughs> approaches you with this like, I don't even know what you would call this accent. It's like black Transylvania like moment. Um, it's got some J- Jamaican patois mixed in. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of a lot. It's and a lot to of have lot. all of this happen and not just be like, especially in New York, where sketchy shit like this happens all the time, mm-hmm. for you to be like, yeah, yeah, daddy, let's go upstairs. <laughs> Come on it's, right up. It's a decision. And she invites him upstairs. And I remember saying <laughs> to Dave, okay, so we're continuing like the the horror trope of these movies, which yes. is like the woman who is sexually adventurous and sexually open mm-hmm. is has to die in like yes. in these films in any horror film so it's mm-hmm. like i knew that the, i didn't remember this from the from the movie it had been that yeah. long since i'd seen it but the but the woman who is sexually liberated and like has agency over her body like she has to be destroyed and Absolutely. like we don't reward that kind of behavior in horror films. And so it's like Nikki became instantly like that character in the film. Um, but it was just really funny to me because it was like, oh, they like they repackaged it, though, a little bit like. In yeah, this movie. they really but did. But it was still it was the same, you know, the flighty, you know, the flighty girl in the movie with the pigtails and the the really tight sweater on and no bra mm-hmm. underneath at like, you know, the the beach house who's being chased by the guy with the hatchet who has to be killed because she gets sex yeah. with her boyfriend earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was very much that like trope. And, you know, it's so interesting that like, you know, obviously, I think what we're trying to say about this too is like, I wish the world was safe enough where you could look at somebody and think, I want to have sex with that person. And I feel safe enough to do that after exchanging two to three sentences. Cause sometimes that's as easy as you want it to be. You know what I mean? But Oh, for sure. Actually there's just no safety. Um, and I'm also the kind of person who, if a stranger talks to me on the street, I'm, I'm like, what? <laughs> like if I'm just walking on the street and a person just walks up to me and starts talking to me, I'm like, what's your fucking angle? <laughs> like I'm very often taken off guard d- taken off guard by that because I I I mean, we live in a big city. I always think someone's trying to like ask me for like money or like to join a cult. Like those are like the two main things. Or someone is like um, about to sexually harass me. It's like <laughs> any of those things. So yeah, I'm pretty closed off when it comes to strangers talking to me on the streets. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's hard. It's the world like- we live in. We don't live in, you know, maybe if we lived in a smaller town, it would be less threatening. Although I watch these investigation discoveries. I watch these Netflix documentaries. I watch these, you know, small towns aren't safe either, baby. I had a moment a couple of weeks ago where I was like at the beach near where we live and I was just like sitting um, 
on this bench that's sort of like built in. And I was just staring at the water, listening to like music. And it was just like Mm -hmm. one of those really nice days. And Mm -hmm. this random like 20 something kid like walks up to me and just starts talking. And he starts, but to be fair, his questions were sketchy as fuck. But I'm like sitting there minding my own business. And he's like, hey, 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 what's going on? How you doing today? And I'm like, fine. And he's like, you here alone? And I'm like, no, never like, ask first a person of all, that. Yeah, absolutely not. And I'm a grown ass man. Like, what do you mean? Am I here alone? Right. Like, sketchy ass <laughs> question. And he keeps looking over my shoulder. And mm. I'm and but I don't look because I like don't want to take my eye off of him. Of course. And, this is, yeah. and also keep in mind, this is like three in the afternoon. So it's an, and there are many other people around. But it's like right. he came up to me specifically. And yeah. he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you getting into today? And I'm like, nothing. And he's just like talking at me. And I just get up and leave after I of make course. sure he's not behind me to see where I live. But it's just like, what? What do you mean? What do you what mean you here alone? And I said, no. What are you, what are you, are you nope. trying to do? And I said, no. I did say no, I remember. He was like, are you here alone? And I was like, nope. I'm here with friends. And he was like, oh, oh, okay. Just like, what's what he trying fuck? to do? What are you trying I mean, to do? Like, what's your angle? That's creepy. That would creep me the fuck out. Yeah, I got the fuck out of there. Also, yeah. he was like a little guy, but I'm like, I don't know if you have a weapon on you or, or like where this shit's yeah. going to go. Like Mm-mm. if you think I'm a mark or something. Um, but yeah. So anyway, all of that to say that like this character in the scene was kind of like a little bit like anxiety what inducing. Has the world turned into? <laughs> we, like, can't. And it's not our fault. It's the fucking world's fault where we're like, don't talk to me. Don't ask me what my day's got, what got going on. You know don't mean? ask me if I'm here without a guardian. <laughs> exactly. But it's not our fault. It's the fucking world's fault. You know, like, you think you got to be thinking three, four steps ahead of fucking people. Exactly. Um, so anyway, that was, uh, that's what I had to say about that. Jane, what's your next love it? <laughs> My next love it point is, okay, so there's a point where Rita is like discovering that she is half vampire and Eddie Murphy is like having this like speech with her about like the history of like the vampires and why she should come to his side and like have eternal life and whatever. And at one point, he's like talking about how like the all the vampires on his island were killed and humans are so brutal and blah blah blah. and he says something like he says humans fear what they don't understand and i was like um y'all feed on people this isn't like this isn't like understand this isn't like a oh no you're a you're like from a foreign country so i don't get you and i don't like you and i'm xenophobic or whatever this is straight up like you it's like kill or be killed baby (laughs) like it's not humans fear what they don't understand it's like i get what this setup is completely and if i don't kill you you feed on me and i die (laughs) we yeah we've also like watched you kill multiple people at this point in the movie as well and you turned like one dude into a ghoul and he just like accidentally somebody stepped on his eyeball as after it fell out of his eye so it's like things aren't working out great for humans that like that roll with you Um, yeah it's it's not like you're presenting like you know a peaceful like symbiotic lifestyle where we all sort of you know live off the land together it's like you live off us like you you kill us (laughs) and it's also like i think everybody gets it like if what it is is like what this movie is based on which is like the lore that has 
has sort of persisted in most vampire movies and it's like <laughs> we're on the right path and like yeah. <laughs> they're scared that you're gonna like suck the blood out of their throat and then they're going to be dead right. and that's what you've done so <laughs> i think i think the fears it's got it's got a weight to it that makes sense it's um, warranted it's warranted he's like they don't get us it's more nuanced it's like okay, but I'm am I gonna end up dead at the end? Right. That's all I'm concerned about. Because the, the nuance the nuance like isn't like really that important to me. Like the big glaring thing is like that you're gonna fucking eat me. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's really where I'm Yeah. Say. Like the ins and outs of that are not really like that important. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Um yeah. so we talked about actually my other love it's the last one that I had was Okay, so it's really interesting that this movie came out like the year before Nutty Professor because Eddie plays this character. Rita's going to a church and Eddie, obviously Maximilian is a vampire. He cannot enter a church. So Mm -hmm. he's trying to get to her. He doesn't know what to do. He sees Mm -hmm. that the preacher of the church is like getting stuff out of his van behind the church before the church service and he kills him. And then, as I said earlier, he's allowed to shapeshift into the preacher. So mm-hmm. he shapeshifts into the preacher who, by who was just Eddie Murphy in prosthetic makeup, by the way. What? So he's just like, so Eddie Murphy turns into Eddie Murphy again, but then his <laughs> voice, I was watching the movie and I turned to Dave and I was like, this voice sounds so familiar. And I was like, this is motherfucking Sherman clump. Like, Absolutely. It, I thought the exact Sherman same thing. Clump's yeah. voice. And then I, yes. and at first I thought, Oh, he must, he just, so he just took his Sherman clump character and made him in the preacher. I was like, no, this movie was first before. So yeah, I was like, oh, the was birth. this the origins mm. of Sherman Clump as we know it? Was Preacher Polly the character that became the gateway to wow. the creation of our Sherman Clump? And that's that was so funny. I didn't think about it that deeply, but I did think I was like, oh, he sounds like Sherman Clump 100%. But I didn't think I didn't like go any further than that. That's such a good point. Like, this is the beginning, the birth of Sherman. So interesting. Um, So great. Did you have any more love? Yeah, we talked about most of them. I think I have one more. Um, Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Eddie's hair. That was (laughs) so beautiful. I love that he knew, though. I love that, like, I kept reading about how much he hated it. He, like, hated this (laughs) wig. It's like, I don't know why. I don't know why in the 90s, like, Mm. all of our vampires had to have, like, long, silky hair. Like, just let them be, like, the thing is is that, like, clearly Eddie Murphy can, or or Maximilian can shapeshift into anything that he wants why is he shape-shifting to have that long ass hair with those pointy ass nails you really kind of stand out in that moment you know what i mean also i don't know who was combing that just for me through maximilian's hair but (laughs) i don't know who was putting the creamy the the creamy crack on the hair but i i was really suspect because i was like this is uh this has got some pink lotion through it like (laughs) Something's going on. Somebody's been bumping those ends. <laughs> Where are you getting this done at, boo? It was yeah. It was he great. It like was, he one of my ridiculous. Uncles, one of my granddad. One of my granddad's brothers. I was like, what you? Who's doing you? Who 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 keeping your shit tight? Somebody, Maximilian. 
Uh, we, um, never okay, we never saw completely inside of the coffin, though, to be fair. There may be anything in that, except the sand. The sand. Oh, that's that's one of my points, too. But, well, I'll wait. Till, that's a low the point. So um, my final love it point is that I love that the police chief um, is Rose from uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Right on top oh, of that, Rose. You, you better believe it. Joanna Cassidy booked mm-hmm. and motherfucking busy. She was the Her? police chief. Her IMDb is as long as the motherfucking Old Testament. I mean, it she is. Works. She works. And I'm not talking past tense. She is a busy. And she's like probably what? In her 60s now? Yeah. Oh, and she's rocking this blonde now? Get it, girl? Mm-hmm. She looks good. good. She looks like Joanna Cassidy. You never disappoint. And if any of Joanna Cassidy's family members are listening, when she doesn't show up to those family functions and she tells you she's working on a project, she's not fucking mm-hmm. lying. Okay. You you support her with everything you have. You support her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um my last love it is actually just interesting. So we were talking earlier about Drew Barrymore, and we were talking about this idea of like the huge movie star at the beginning of the movie dying. So yes. apparently, which I think is really interesting, Eddie Murphy really wanted Jada Pinkett to star in this movie in the reader role. That. Yeah. And it didn't work out for whatever reason, but it ended up being Angela Bassett, like, incredible. Um, but then Wes Craven, talking about the person who dies in the first 10 minutes of a Wes Craven film, Jada Pinkett ended up playing that role in Wes Craven's screen, oh, too. She was the woman who died right. in the first 10 minutes. So I just thought that was really interesting. That uh, is the cool, cool thing about Wes Craven is that he is so consistent. Like, he drops his own Easter eggs, you know what I mean, oh, within yeah. his film. And I just, I love that, like, watching all of his films and discovering, was like, oh, that's exactly like that. And that's why he did that. And that's why he did that. There's just, you know, <laughs> like, an, like an onion, baby. There's oh, layers. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Also, like the dream, the, the dream sequence, the the way that he uses mm-hmm. dreams to communicate like large overarching themes within his movie. Rita, totally. once again, she's haunted by her dreams and she's yep. haunted by what her what her dreams may reveal about her subconscious, which is very much in line with his Nightmare on Elm Street um, series. Uh, totally. movie. So, yeah, yeah. Wes, Wes has certain themes that, that he loves and that are going to be woven through his films. And, you know, this movie, it's a very different film for him, but you can see. You but know, his threads. stamp is on it. Yeah. His stamp is on it for sure. Um, do you want to move <laughs> into the low that's Janie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just have a couple. Me too. Yeah. Um, great. Well, my first one is um, when he's having dinner with fucking Rita at his house and she's wearing her fucking, you know, her ball gown, her black tie event gown, and he like offers her wine. He removes the cork of the wine bottle with his sharp fingernail and it made me want to puke everywhere i hated that i hated it because his fingernail was also like gray it was like like, it wasn't like he had just it wasn't a fresh set it was like no it was something that was like scraggly and like hundreds of years old it wasn't like he just left the nail salon and went to dinner no it's like get that black plague nail out, out of, of my here. wine i know alcohol you? kills bacteria but it, there's some bacteria it can't kill and i'm sure whatever also, yeah, underneath there's some that nasty that ass nail is not gonna be fought by this also, like that's chablis. not the flex that you think it is like no, very few gross. women have left a date with a man and been like <laughs> and then he took his petrified nail 
No, no, no. He didn't. There was no corkscrew. No, 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 no. This is what happened. He took his long hook nail and he stuck it into the buttery cork and he pulled it out like it was a fucking hook. And I knew I was going to fuck the shit out of him that night. That's what happened, Barb. It's just like, ugh. And Barb, I'll tell you, I slid out of that chair. Oh, yeah, no. And having those nails caress my nude body. Oh, God. Or be... Not to get too graphic, but I wouldn't want those rooting around inside of me. Oh, God. (laughs) Not to get get too graphic and then to immediately get really disgusting and graphic. Well, because you also know that they've got like probably like ghoul debris from Julius and like little bits of like prehistoric sand. And they're so sharp that they would cut you. You'd get an infection instantly. Yeah, like these nails that are sharp as... A gull's beak. It's too much. It was horrifying. Um, Absolutely horrifying. So I don't have them in either. One of my first ones, though, was so. Okay, so this is a more serious one. So Sonia Davis was the stunt woman on this movie. She was the Uh, stunt woman for Angela Bassett's character. And she died during the making of the film doing a fall that off of the side of a building, it was a 42 foot drop. And apparently, like allegedly, like she bounced off of the the inflated sort of like um, the landing place. There was this inflated surface that she was supposed to land on. She bounced off and she slammed into the building and then hit and then fell into the ground. And (gasps) she passed away. Her family ended up suing. Eddie Murphy, oh. the studios, Wes Craven for like $10 million. I don't know what happened with the with the lawsuit. And I, that's not really why it's a load that it's just unfortunate no. that a stunt woman passed away during the making of, of the film. It's uh it's really so sad. sad. And um, yeah, so I read that and that kind of bummed me out um just to know that that happened. Rest in peace, and so sorry that yeah. you know stunt stunt work is so dangerous, and you it's know, those people so, put their lives on the line to create so these iconic moments and thought it was worth noting. Um yeah. Did that's you have any awful. other uh, loaded stream? I do. Mine is it's sort of weird to follow up a death with this, but um, we'll just try to bring it back to a laugh, hopefully. Um, so we mentioned before that fucking um, Eddie Murphy's Maximilian sleeps in a coffin that is full of sand. And I've never Ugh. seen that before. And no. like, I'm just thinking about like logistically what is the point like cleanup has got to be a nightmare you wake up every day you're covered in sand he's he clearly sleeps in the nude because they show him in the nude with just like his private parts covered with sand and like his like legs are like dug into the sand but it's like and they like dragged it up the stairs was it full of sand when they dragged it up the stairs or did they like drag it up the stairs and then go like buy a bag of sand like i just like it seemed in like an insane logistics to me that i just like don't understand i've never ever heard of a vampire sleeping in a coffin full of sand but it might be a thing i don't know I've never heard of it either. And I looked it up online and I didn't see anything when I looked it up either. Cause I was like, is this like some, like, are they calling it or calling it back because it's a part of vampire history that's been lost through the years. Mm. But I didn't find anything that backed it up either. I, maybe this was just <laughs> Wes and Eddie and they were like, let's get grown and sexy with it. Um, let's, let's add a also, totally, a totally insignificant, unimportant element and throw cover myself in sand every day. I, it's like, also, so when that sand me. get, when you just be, I feel like when you went to the bathroom and you were pooping, you just be pooping out just sandy turds all of course, the time. You, of course you would. Oh, God, maybe it's, maybe it's, your booty hole. 
Maybe it's like a uh um I a know litter box. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were back. gonna say it's like like a natural exfoliant. But do do vampires even poop? That's a good question. These I are feel the like questions. Don't. This is the hard hitting questions that we ask that other podcasts don't dare to. Do vampires poo-poo and pee-pee? Because they question. drink they drink blood. So I could see them peeing. I guess you're right. Yeah. Why would they? Yeah. Dave brought up a point. He said he's supernatural. He just casts a spell and he's clean and sand free. But you know what? I don't buy that because there are no, a lot I of things that he could have he could have circumvented with magic that he didn't. Like I don't know, um, teleporting his fucking coffin from the boat to the house instead of making his ghoul carry it up all the stairs, or using so. his mind to pull that cork out as opposed to doing that dirty white dirty thing ass nail, nail trick <laughs> that nobody asked for. Oh, so that was that was the scariest part of the movie for me. He picks his, yeah, he picks the pleasures that he decides to like bestow yeah. upon, like his, <laughs> Disgusting. too much. Um, yeah. okay, so I only have two more really quickly. Um, <laughs> so there's a scene in this movie where Eddie Murphy's playing this like Italian, like dude who's trying to rob this italian restaurant yeah and i want i just want to say the makeup for this character is fucking flawless it is yeah it's really really well done it's really good and it's a scene though where like he's holding up this he's sticking up this mobs these mobsters and he's just trying to get close to rita she's in this place and he Mm -hmm. wants to get closer he wants her to arrest him ultimately so that he can like you know, be around her and whatever, and you know, will his magical charm, whatever. But anyway, these mobsters are sitting at the table. They have a white furry ass cat, like a long hair cat. Mm-hmm. And the cat leaps at the guy who's got the gun, who's sticking everybody up, and he shoots it. We don't see him shoot it, but we just see like fur sort of go flying. Mm-hmm. But then, like, there's a scene a little bit later where finally Rita takes down the assailant. She arrests Mm -hmm. him and they're leaving. And then we see a shot of one of the mobsters and he's literally holding what appears to be just like, it's all together. It's one piece, but it's, it's a tail and two legs of this cat. And there's no (gasps) other part of the body. And I rewound it because I was like, what is he holding? It's just like the back. It's just the hind legs and the tail of the cat. And he's just holding it. Just standing there with his homies. And it's like, if you don't put that shit down, what are you (laughs) doing? You know, fuck around and catch something. Oh, my Um, God. But I hated it. I hated it. And I don't know why that was a choice. It was a lot. Um, And then I only have one more. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so Kadeem Hardison, as we mentioned earlier, wonderful mm-hmm. job, plays the role of Julius. But one of the actors who they were considering, and I use the term actor loosely, one of the, the celebrities they were considering to play the role of Julius was Flavor Flav. Stop. Are you and serious? Like, yes. Yeah, boy. And I was like, <laughs> what in the world <laughs> would, this would movie be? that have been like? <laughs> Flavor Flav playing this role would have been wild. I would have loved to see that. I would have loved to see like Mm -hmm. just a couple of scenes. An alternate version. Oh my God. Kadeem does a beautiful job. Kadeem does a great job. I don't want to take that role away from him, but I would like to see an alternate, like a multiverse version of this where it's. I'm a camp girl. Okay. Yes. And like the idea of, of Eddie Murphy and Flava Flav (laughs) acting in a movie together. Flava Flav (laughs) acting in scenes with Angela Bassett is Mm. 
a it's a fabulous <laughs> idea. And of course, <laughs> Flavor Flav's time came after this, and we mm-hmm. got Flavor of Love and multiple yes. seasons of it. So mm-hmm. we have seasons of watching Flavor Flav do his thing on television screens. But mm-hmm. you can't help but wonder: is this, is this the one that got away? Would this have led to many Cable Ace Awards? For Flavor Flav. I, I, mean, I would have loved. That and the Oscar him. goes to Flavor Flav. Are those words we could have heard had things worked out differently? I think that's a bit of a stretch, but okay. you know, right. I, I'm willing to, um, you know, to believe in a universe where that could be true. That's what I want to hear. It's just and, not the uh, one that we're currently living in. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, and that concludes our episode and coverage on 1995's Vampire, Vampire in, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. <laughs> Jane. Uh, 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 yes. I have two questions for you. I hope you do. <laughs> One. Mm. Would you watch this movie again? I would absolutely watch this movie again. It's fun. It's like, it's a it's, fun it's, movie to add to fun... your Halloween horror movie rotation. 100%. I would watch this outside of um halloween season for sure it's just, for a, sure. It's just it's a, a fun, fun like classic eddie murphy movie you know what i mean and Wes craven joint as well absolutely and then mm-hmm. two yes do you <laughs> have a movie for me <laughs> to watch next week per your contract you yes. should have one for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well you're lucky because I do have a movie and we are rounding out our our spooky season with my final spooky choice, which Ooh. I have not seen. <laughs> and Ooh. this is a bit of an experiment because I really don't know what we're walking into at all. But I'm, I'm excited. Intrigued. I'm intrigued. We are going to watch 2023's. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Ooh, I've heard of this movie. Okay, <laughs> I'm excited. Too. Yes. I'm excited, I Mama. have been, I've been wanting to watch it, and I thought, let's wait. And so here we are. And I think it'll be a, a fun... Um, <laughs> it's either going to be so wild or so bad, but that's what we love. So You know what I, I will say? Oh, just to pat us on the back. Mm. I will say that I think that our Halloween selection this year has really been chef's kiss. We've covered so many genres Mm. and I love it Mm -hmm. when we do this and when everything happens this way. We did the same thing with Pride this year as well. But like I love how like how diverse our selection has been. Mm-hmm. We have like a 1960s black and white classic. Mm-hmm. We have an, you know, an early aughts, like Dawn of the Dead, like zombie mm-hmm. horror. We have this like this comedy drama inspired by black exploitation film starring like Eddie Murphy. And then we have this like kind of indie horror moment that is very current and contemporary. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, you know, kudos really to us, baby. Yeah. Also, on a completely separate note, I sometimes mm-hmm. jokingly push my hair back with my finger. Mm-hmm. But baby, all of a sudden, when I push it back, it's finally long enough. It's not staying behind my ear. It's not yes. that long. But it is long enough to be pushable. And to that's be pushed back. And a gaggy. The, it's incredibly gaggy. And I've been noticing it. And it looks good. I cannot believe how long your jets are at this point. Thank I you. Mean, they, I, I, uh, they're so long i mean thank you Jane. They, and not to mention they look fucking fantastic but we always thank knew you. that was going to be the case um 
thank you, Brandon, for bringing this movie to me, for talking about it. It has been a pleasure as always. Um, and I want to thank our listeners, you know, um, I hope, I hope they made it to the end. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, we had a great time. Um, we love you and we appreciate you and we want you to follow us throughout the week because there's more stuff going on just than just these episode drops. We've got our social media presence and we want you to, (laughs) meet us where we are and that is on instagram and facebook and threads at movies we missed so give us a follow shoot us a dm um you can (laughs) correct us on all the wrong things we've said throughout all of our episodes we are very aware that we spew bullshit most of the time um you can dm us your deepest darkest secret if you feel like um you want to share it with somebody we'll keep it don't worry you've never told your husband you've never told Mm. your best friend because they would Mm -hmm. judge you (laughs) Don't don't be worried we, with us. We won't. We'll we'll keep it for you. We'll be in. Well, here. we're gonna judge you because we're gonna talk about it with each other. But uh, oh yeah, 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 but not publicly. <laughs> no, 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 never publicly. Never. No, no, of course not. No, we wouldn't slander you like that. Um. Anyways, we cannot wait to see you next week. We love you. We will see you same time, same place for 2023's Winnie the Pooh: Blood and Honey. We shall rejoice in all the blood and honey and i can't wait Yikes. Oh. What? Why are we surprised? You like boops. The beep boops. Beep boop. Beep boop. Beep boop. Beep boop. Jesus. Beep boop.